if there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the realities that unify us are already there. Christ prays for unity. What should we all be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys and uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when, he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. All right, everyone. Welcome again to the Whole Church Podcast. I am your co-host, Joshua Noll. Here is your other co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Yeah, we're also here with a special guest, Pastor Tyler Smith, who's the recent author, I say recent, I guess it was published June 2nd, of uh, Searching for Seven. That was June 2nd, is that correct, Tyler? That's right. Awesome, yeah. So today we're going to be talking to him, some about just his life, uh, his career in um, sport writing, uh, and of course, his book, Searching for Seven. Uh, Before we do... We'll take a quick moment to review some of our followers' answers to last week's silly question. We asked, what color other than red would you make a fire truck? Ken Haberman said chartreuse. Niles Merritt also said yellow, so agreed with me and TJ. My wife, Tiffany, she said an obnoxious neon orange. Eric Griffith said neon pink, but if that counts as red then he would say black because Batman. And Ken Passmore also said black. And Mikaela recently on the podcast said pink. So those are some of the colors people would choose for fire trucks. People like that question a lot. We got a lot of different answers out there. If I missed any, I apologize. We'll get your answer next time. But before we go any further, uh, Pastor Tyler, we do a mini segment for new guests called the greeting card segment. So I have 12 cards here. Each say something different, like the last thing that made you smile or your favorite book, something like that. And I'm going to shuffle them up. And whenever you say stop, whatever card I'm on, we're just going to ask you to tell us that, whatever it may be. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to start shuffling now. You tell me when to stop. All right. Stop. All right. And we just need to know your favorite zoo animal. Favorite zoo animal. I really like, there's one particular zoo that I think is in St. Louis that has an, an awesome uh, penguin exhibit. Uh, the penguins come right up to you and uh, you know, it's almost like they're mocking you. They, they, uh, with their tails, uh, they splash you and it's really unlike anything I've ever seen at any other zoo. So I'll have to go with the penguins in St. Louis. Excellent choice. Yeah. Me and TJ went to uh, SeaWorld with a group of friends. And they have an exhibit where you can actually go in with the penguins. Of course, we couldn't do that because they charge you extra money. We don't got money like that. But it's still really cool. So, uh, at the start of every episode, last thing in our intro, we like to ask a silly question. Uh, this week's silly question is, if you had a least, if you had to choose a least favorite instrument, what is it and why? And I'll, I'm willing to go first. Okay, my least favorite instrument is probably the piccolo. Really? Why? Yeah. It, an extremely niche use. 
that in most cases can still be used or can still be that was the word covered by a flute it's it's a tiny flute and it just it's arbitrary i don't want it i don't like them <laughs> all right i don't like piccolos interesting so my answer is kind of like on a case to case basis a lot of cases in modern music they definitely overuse the bass and I hate, like, I actually just despise an overuse of the bass. It's the most annoying thing ever. Of course, an appropriate use of the bass is wonderful, and I love it. But in a lot of modern music, just it's like they forgot what an appropriate amount of bass is. So I'm going to say bass, but no, that's a case-by-case basis. If they're doing it right, I probably would say flute. But, you know. So, uh, Pastor Tyler, what would you say is your least favorite instrument and why? That's a tough one. Um, I don't want to offend anyone who's in a band of some kind, but okay. Josh already <laughs> has. Yeah, yeah, I offended everyone. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> the the thing that came to mind, just because of its sheer size, would be a tuba. <laughs> uh, just you know, I, I like how it sounds, I guess, but it's like you know, how often can you actually use it? And then it's just this huge chunk of metal that I wouldn't want to travel with, with. So I don't know why, but that's kind of where my mind went on that one. <laughs> Perfect. Great answer. Hard to play a good tuba. Yeah, I wouldn't know. But yeah. All right. Uh, so before we move on to talk about your book, we wanted to get you to know you better. We saw you were not only a pastor and a writer, but also a coach and an NBA sports writer. Uh, what can you tell us about that part of your life? Yeah, basketball has always been a really big part of my life. Uh, I grew up playing. Uh, I grew up wanting to be a broadcaster, you know, if I didn't make it to the NBA, I would love to, uh, you know, be involved in some way. And, um, you know, the, the coaching thing I've been doing about probably 10 or 12 years and, uh, the NBA sports writing thing, uh, came up when I moved back to Indiana in 2014. So I've been doing the last uh, six or seven, uh, seasons, um, got really a dream job to, to cover the Pacers and IU basketball. So as an Indiana boy who loves, <laughs> loves basketball, <laughs> Um, it's been really cool to, uh, you know, see that side of things and, and be part of that world. Mm-hmm. And how did you feel about Indiana's move to offload Paul George to the Thunder? Well, at the time it was, it was, uh, kind of bittersweet, um, because, you know, Paul George is, is someone that we absolutely love for so many years. And, you know, he took us to a couple uh, conference finals and, uh, you know, it was really tough when we, you know, got the the news that he wanted out or that he wasn't going to resign after the following year. So knew they had to deal him and, you know, get anything they could for him. And then when they announced what the trade was, I was excited because, you know, being an Indiana Hoosiers fan and being familiar with uh, Victor Oladipo, knowing that he at least has talent. And then uh, knowing that Sabonis was, um, I think, the 11th overall pick the year before. So I thought considering the circumstances, it was a pretty good trade, but it was pretty bittersweet. Right. I do have to warn you, though. Um, a lot of my family listens to this, and they all live in Kentucky. So, you know, yeah, Hoosers fans, you know, some, <laughs> some of them are kind of touchy subject there. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. uh, how does your experience in sports inform your preaching and writing? I like to think that every experience I have uh, can inform 
preaching and writing. Um, that was one of the goals behind the book is all these different experiences I've had, you know, what God has taught me through it, uh, scriptures that it's reminded me of, or, you know, encouraged me along those lines. And, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I try to take my faith everywhere I go, whether it's, uh, the, the school I coach at, you know, the Pacer games, um, all the things that I get to do, you know, I think they're all intertwined, you know, whereas earlier in my life, I think faith was only a part of my life. And now it's, it's, it is my life. It's my very DNA, who I am, my identity. So I think that, uh, those, all those experiences, uh, kind of work together in that way. Which is sort of touches on our next question. It's something that, um, well, a few different things kind of inspired us to ask people more about them, including when we were recently on pastor Bobby's podcast, uh, traveling stories and your book actually inspired us a little bit on the importance of asking free people about their testimony. So we were wondering, would you mind sharing some of your testimony with our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I grew up in a Christian home and, and I owe a lot to my, my family for my upbringing and uh, the church I grew up in. There's a lot of good things there, but, you know, like anybody else, you know, eventually it's got to become your own. It can't, you can't just live off of uh, your family's faith. Uh, eventually it's got to be your choice. And I was 14 when I made that choice, uh, still had some ups and downs. And I think I was known as a Christian in high school, but unfortunately that was mainly just, you know, well, Tyler goes to church and, uh, you know, he doesn't do anything too bad. So, you know, he's a Christian. That was kind of the extent of it. And I, I realized later in life, there's a lot more to it. Uh, than just going to church and, you know, being a good guy. Um, so it was really in my college years, you know, a lot of people go the opposite way with that. A lot of people go to college and leave the church. But for me, that's when uh, I felt God uh, closest and uh, the people that he put in my life really helped uh, shape and mold my faith and who I was becoming. And now it's something that, you know, I, I make that decision, um, on a daily basis to, to wake up and try my best to die to myself and live for him. And, um, it's a journey, you know, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but um, he's with me every step of the way. So that's kind of a, a quick version. Awesome. Yeah. Um, really, really quick. If TJ doesn't mind me taking this time, <laughs> uh, Pastor Tyler, could you kind of tell us what, what got you from, you know, your college years you're talking about to your calling to be a pastor? Well, it's very interesting that I didn't go to college uh, to be in ministry. I had no desire. In fact, my first year I went to Indiana State, uh, so I did not go to a Bible college my first year. But while I was there, I was really missing sports. And, you know, God kind of used uh, basketball to get me to transfer to a Christian school. Now, at that time, I still was planning to do the communications degree because I heard that that even that Christian school had that same degree. So I was like, hey, this is great. I'm going to go and get the same degree. I'll be around Christians and uh, get to play a ball. And that's pretty cool. Um, and then after one year of that college, so after my second year of college, um, there was a local youth group that needed somebody to start up a program. And, uh, I thought it was going to be just a summer long thing and it, I have not stopped doing it ever since. So, uh, that is how God used something that I never dreamed I would be doing. Um, you know, ministry of really any kind. And he was like, you know, sometimes you have to actually experience something and go do it before you realize, Hey, I'm actually, you know, this is maybe something God's calling me to do. And, and it's been about 15 years and I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. Awesome. That's how they get you. <laughs> hey, come do this for us and never stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so one thing we like to do to help us 
get a little better acquainted with our guests' beliefs is our speed round. Uh, so basically, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and you're only allowed to answer in one sentence. And if you don't okay. think you can do that, then you just say pass, and we skip it. Okay. All right. Uh, so to start off, uh, what denomination are you a part of? Uh, non-denominational Christian. All right. Uh, do you believe in the Trinity? I do. Are you more Calvinist or Arminian? I'm more Arminian. Yeah. Do you believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit? Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you believe in continual sanctification? Yes. Do you believe in a literal Adam? Yes. Uh, do you believe in pre, mid, or post-tribulation? Um, that one I'm actually undecided on. I've uh, gone back and forth quite a bit, but um, I know we win in the end, and that's what I'm excited for. <laughs> How many of the seven sacraments do you participate in? Um, I would say over half for sure All right. uh, what are they um, I would say so I'm trying to recall because there's um, the last conversation uh, this is going to be way more 10, 10 words sorry <laughs> the last conversation I had um, was about some differences of what they were defined as so the ones I was referring to um, with the with the prayer the baptism those kind like the confirmation is that what you're referring to yes uh, do you support baby baptism um I I'm okay with it uh, as long as they have the choice later as well uh, to make that personal decision. Do you believe in full body immersion baptism? Yes, I do. All right, awesome. That's the speed round. Cool. Yeah. Good job. Awesome. So finally, I'm going to start asking you about the book. What can you tell us about what inspired you to write the book? The 13%. Yeah, I had a lot of inspiration. I think part of it was just an understanding of, you know, all the different things I've been able to be involved in. It's uh, resulted in a lot of stories and I love, you know, the books I like to read the most are the ones that tell the stories and relate scripture and, um, you know, encourage you. And, and so I realized, Hey, I've got a lot of ministry teaching experience and a lot of writing experience. Let's uh, combine the two and see what happens. And then as I started to, you know, get it going, um, it really flowed together and, um, was really a, a cohesive project, which was the goal. Yeah, it was, um, reading it was really interesting because I was trying to describe it to, I think it was my mom. And I was like, you know, it's sort of like it was a combination of a devotional and a biography, which are things that I just don't typically associate. But I'm like, you know, each chapter is like, has its own story. And it also has like its own, you know, this is the point of this chapter, which is the, the titles pretty much tell you, hey, this time we're going to be learning about this. Oh, okay. It was really, really interesting layout there. I liked it a lot. 
Yeah, I know a lot of people that have used it as a devotion, uh, maybe a more extensive devotion than than some of the ones that um, that are out there. But uh, yeah, I purposely made the chapter short, and uh, I kind of describe it sometimes as like a a band's album where you know every song is separate, but it's still cohesive to the album. Um, that's kind of how I would describe it. Yeah, like TV shows were before Netflix, where each episode had to stand alone, but also were part of the big story. Yeah, yeah I like that too. Yeah. Right. Uh, so what was your target demographic for searching for seven? What age group, what did you write this to? It's really broad. I know that, uh, sometimes in a creative endeavor, people will tell you to, uh, you know, really focus your, your audience. But for me, this topic is so universal and I feel like there's something in there for everyone. Um, not just with how old they are, but where they are spiritually. I think there's something in there for everyone that's, um, so what I've been telling people is really, if I would say teenager and up, um, I've had conversations even with, you know, 85 year old uh, people that, um, talked about it impacting them and, and same thing for high school students and, you know, young adults. So, um, I think, um, anybody, uh, age group wise, uh, teenager and up and, and you know, any part uh, of your spiritual walk. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you mentioned that just kind of, you, you were talking about the point or the purpose of the book. Uh, could you just kind of describe to our listeners, what is the point of the book? Why should they go read it? They should go buy it now. I think the point of it is understanding that our faith, you know, is meant to be a journey. You know, Jesus said, uh, believe in me, but he also said, follow me even more. Um, so it is meant to be this, a journey where we wake up every day and we look for God. And I feel like, you know, too many people want God to be real and they want him to show up, but they don't really actively seek him. And so this book is an attempt to help us find different ways, learn different ways of how that's possible um, to seek him in all things seven days a week. So that's one way that the number seven comes in is, you know, seven days a week. And then the other way is, you know, seven can be the number of God uh, in scripture. It means uh, completeness and perfection. So um, there's, again, a lot of stories and a lot of different topics that kind of flow into that idea of, you know, how can I, how can I seek God seven days a week? Hey, everybody. I'm just going to take a quick break to let you guys know all the ways that you can help us keep this podcast going, you know, your favorite Church Unity podcast. Uh, TJ, what's some of the ways that they can do that? Uh, well, you could head on over to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram and follow us on there. Uh, you can subscribe to us on every you know, podcast listening software that you have and the ones you don't have. Go ahead and download those. Follow us on there too. Thanks. Love you. <laughs> um, you can support us on Patreon uh, for as little as a dollar a month. And uh, of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can join our newsletter by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's all the way. Oh, TJ, we also need their unconditional loyalty. Yes. Unconditional loyalty, respect, and admiration. Thank you. Yeah, you could leave all of that at our Patreon. And of course, they wouldn't have to hear this work at all if they went over to Mm. Patreon.com or the Old Church Podcast. Let's get back to the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I wondered about that while I was reading it too. I was like, is he saying this? Because I remember you mentioned that seven was God's number. And you also mentioned searching for God seven days a week. I was like, which which is it? Why? So it's both and. So that's really, really interesting yep. take there. Yeah. So two of my favorite parts of the book were when you compared, when you met some famous pl- players, but you wouldn't say that you knew them. 
And you compared that to how some people claim to know God. And then another part I really liked was um, you were talking about uh, callings. You said our calling is always to serve. Could you talk a little bit some on those two parts of the book and topics? I know we don't want to give too many spoilers away, but you just kind of let everybody know what you meant by that. Yeah, those are also, you know, two of my favorite parts. Um, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of uh, celebrities in my life. Um, I was in a the Christian concert promotions company for a few years and got to meet a lot of Christian bands and hang out with them. And then this uh, sports writing gig, you know, I get locker room access. And so I get to, you know, meet basically every um, NBA player over the last six or seven years. And uh, a lot of them would know who I am. They would recognize me on the street and that kind of thing, but it would still be a lie for me to say that I know them personally. Um, and I feel like people do that with God. They, they may say like, you know, like for me, if I were to say, Hey, I know LeBron James really well. Cause I've been in the same room as him many times. Well, somebody could say, Hey, I know God really well. Cause I've been to church many times and it, that, you know, it doesn't work like that. We've, we've got to really, really get to know him and not just know of him. And so that's a big thing and, and treating God's word. Like it's actually alive is a big, you know, way of doing that. Um, and then, you know, there's a, a couple of different sections that talk about our calling and how it's really more of a, a day-to-day thing than it is, uh, you know, our career choice. Um, even though God could call you to a career that he's meant for you, but it's more about the day-to-day. And uh, there's also a verse in Ephesians that says we were created in Christ for good works. So if we don't serve actively, if we don't put action to our faith, then we're not doing what we were created to do. And so we're going to feel uh, less uh, worthy, less valuable in life. You know, we may get depressed. We may, there's all these things that could happen if we're not doing what we were created to do. Um, so I think those are, um, a few points of the book that, uh, that I discussed throughout in a few places. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It was really great stuff. Um, and then of course my, one of my other favorite parts was the last chapter, you know, where you're stressing the importance of telling our testimonies. Um, I was wondering since, you know, this is a church unity podcast. And actually I want to ask, do you think that as more people share their testimonies that we'll see better unity in the church? Like will people sharing their testimonies make any impact there? You think? I think so. I think we are wired to, uh, to listen and learn from stories. And, you know, that was one of the top ways that Jesus spoke to people, um, parables, you know, real life stories. And, and it's also something that you can't really argue with. You know, you can argue with someone's, uh, beliefs or their opinion, but when they tell you their story, you know, there's, there's no room for like, Oh no, that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, you can share, <laughs> Hey, this, this happened to me and here's how it impacted me. You know, one example I give is the person who was blind and they were like, Hey, tell us about who healed you. And the guy said, I don't know much about him. I just know I was blind. Now I see. So he didn't have a Bible degree or a preaching degree or, you know, <laughs> anything like that. He just had his story. Like I've been impacted by Jesus and, and so I feel like, um, you know, church unity is a big deal, uh, to Jesus. And, um, I feel like the more we can lean into that idea of, of sharing, you know, our good or bad, uh, you know, let him use, you know, use us in our weakness as well, where his power shows up, uh, like the woman at the well, you know, she told her story, uh, even though she was, um, ashamed of it until she met Jesus. Then she wanted to tell everyone about her past. So whether the good things or bad things, share your story. And I think people relate to that. They relate to brokenness more than uh, <laughs> sometimes, um, 
you know, arrogance or whatever successes you have, there's, you know, multiple ways, but sharing your story and, and what God's doing through your life um, is a huge impact and can unify people. Yeah. And to kind of speak to what you're talking about there, you know, um, a lot of times in church, especially across denominations, we'll be like, well, you know, they believe this, they don't really believe in Christ or this or that, or, you know, they'll say, you know, they believe this. We don't know if they're real Christians. And all of a sudden you hear these stories of how God has been working in their life and what has been going on. And you're like, okay, maybe I don't agree with them about this topic, but it's hard to deny that God's doing something there when you hear what God's been doing. So, yeah, I think that's um, a really good point. Yeah. I think there are any other points in your book that speak more directly to how we might better maintain unity in the church. Um, I am, I'm trying to think, uh, off the top of my head here. Uh, I know uh, I touch on it in a few places. Um, I'm trying to think of a good story that would go with it. Um, because it is so important. I know, um, the one section about God's calling, uh, you know, finding God's will for your life. Um, I mentioned how, um, I, in my neighborhood, I started a thing called unite Seville and the goal was to unite, uh, churches, um, youth groups and, and really open it up to anyone and say, Hey, you know, there's a, a scripture where, um, it says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And obviously other places where you talk about the the different members of the body and we all have different roles. Um, but really part of that calling is that idea of coming together. And, um, you know, I think, um, it's just incredibly important. We're on the same team, even if we have minor different beliefs. Uh, I, uh, I'm recalling, um, you know, whether you agree with all of his teachings or not, I think Andy Stanley has, a, you know, at least some good points in there. And, and one of the things he said one time was, you know, a lot of times problems in the church happen when people um, think of a view more than a you, you know, they think of their opinion more than, um, you know, that being a person that they can love. And so um, I think we need to learn how to disagree better <laughs> in love and respect each, you know, each, each other, no matter what, you know, if there's minor beliefs, um, focus on the, the key, you know, salvation issues and how incredible God is. And, uh, that'll help us be unified as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know, <laughs> you mentioned the verse where it says, um, it was how good and pleasant it is when we all get along in unity. Um, my parents, you know, they're big King James fans and King James says how good and pleasant it is when brothers get along together. Unity, right. So anytime me and my brother got in an argument, we heard that verse. <laughs> so every time I hear that, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh man. That's a good verse still though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so one thing we like to ask every guest we have is if you had to give one single action, like a single tangible thing, something practical our listeners could just stop right now and go do that would help better maintain the unity in the church, what would it be? This may cause someone to get really nervous right now, but (laughs) I would say my favorite answers, (laughs) find out, go find that person, you know, start with one person, that one person in your church that either has an issue with you or something you believe, or maybe not an issue. Maybe it's not some kind of, uh, you know, super negative thing, but you can, you just know of that person that believes differently than you about something you know, maybe it's even the election or maybe it's, uh, you know, something in scripture or, um, you know, just a belief about the Bible 
and ask if you can have a conversation with that person and try to get to know why they believe that way. And even if you end the conversation still disagreeing about that topic, you at least address it in a way of, Hey, I'm not going to talk behind your back about it. I'm going to, um, you know, as, as Christian brothers and sisters, you know, let's, let's come together and let's, uh, you know, I think it's such a good positive thing to start with one, no matter what you're doing, uh, you know, do for one person what you wish you can do for a hundred as they say. And, uh, you know, if, here's the thing too, if you don't know of somebody in your church that disagrees with anything or, or feels any differently than you, then I think you need to branch out more. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> as you know, you know, it happens. Not everybody believes, you know, 100%. I mean, not even, uh, spouses have 100% agreement on every single thing. So find that person and, uh, see if you can have a conversation, a healthy, good, loving conversation about it. Amen. Uh, so what would be the immediate ramifications of that have everyone doing that? What would we see happen? I think there would be more upfront conversations and less uh, behind the back um, because here's the thing. And I mentioned this in the book too. You never really hear a teacher say like, Hey, when I got to know this student more, I like them less. You know, usually it's like, (laughs) Hey, when I, I, I get to know someone more and I, it changes. It's, you know, even the things I disagree with or, you know, things I'm upset about, it changes because it's the human element. It's very easy for people in churches or in communities or workplaces um, just to say like, Oh, I, this person believes that and kind of talk behind their back. But it's like the more upfront we can be um, the more, more we'll feel like a team. And um, you know, that's also going to help outside people looking in when they see that Christians are handling, you know, differences um, in a healthy, loving way and not, you know, the gossip. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we're going to get into our outro record a couple more things and then we'll let you go. Uh, thank you. So we'd like to start our outro with our God moment segment. Uh, we each share something God has done for us recently, uh, whether it be a challenge or a blessing, uh, what have you, anything of the sort. All right. Uh, so. I always like to make Josh go first. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, you I know, hate to break the street. Yeah, yeah. You know, last last episode, you said, you know, it could be something of the past, something God's doing currently, or even in the future. I'm going to say in the future this time. Yeah, my God moments future. So this coming weekend and also week for me, we are going on sort of a vacation. We're on a camping trip to Cumberland Island. And it's just a place where, you know, every time I go, it, God always shows me something new or speaks to me in some way. And it's crazy because, you know, a lot of things like um, movies, TV shows, or what have you, you know, you overhype in your head and it happens and you're like, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. So, like, I mean, even Christmas for me, I always have to, like, downplay it in my head so when it comes around. I'm like, oh, this was great, actually. But it's not one of those things. It's one of those things where no matter how much I expect something to happen, something still happens. And uh, I don't know. I'm just really excited for whatever I see out camping this weekend and whatever thing that God's going to show me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Cumberland Island is a cool place. Uh, so yeah. my God moment segment uh, is about, you know, there, I mean, there's a few. I have multiple choices here. I'm floundering, but uh, the chance to reconnect with friends. Uh, a good friend of mine 
I haven't been able to see him recently. We've both been relatively busy. And uh, so I'm taking him to the dentist tomorrow because <laughs> I have the time Crazy. and he has the time to, to get a ride to the dentist. So, you know, I just got the chance to find the time to spend with this friend who I don't get to see that often. And I think that's really important. Uh, you know, I feel blessed to have that opportunity. It's like, hey, you know, one of your good friends, he needs a ride to the dentist, you know, and, you know. I'm glad to take it uh, just to spend time with him, however slight it might be. So that's great. That's great. Well, Pastor Tyler, did you have something God's been doing with you recently that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I like both of your examples because I, the thing that was coming to my mind was a little bit of each one of those because uh, <laughs> uh, my wife and I always go to a, we always visit a new city or a new area um, at least once per year. And so we just got a chance to go to uh, DC and we went to Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, uh, Brunswick, Maryland, kind of all of that. Uh, Gettysburg, they're kind of all within an hour of each other. And so getting a chance to visit new places and um, experience God's creation, it was beautiful. Um, and then also like the second example, I've been able to reconnect with a lot of uh, old high school friends recently. And, and, you know, sometimes I, um, I get upset that I didn't do more as a high school student um, with my faith, but now it's almost like I'm getting a, a second chance with some of those people that are now, you know, coming back into my life and I'm sharing about the book or the ministry or, you know, conversations over lunch. And um, so it's been a pretty cool thing that God's been doing there. Awesome. You should consider Greenville, South Carolina sometime. It's a cool place. <laughs> I'm just saying. It is pretty cool. <laughs> I've heard it's cool. I've been been to Hilton Head, but not not that area. Oh, you should. All right. Uh, so, so future guests we're going to have on the podcast. Uh, we have Pastor Alan Rhodes, uh, Andrew Croft of the World Watch Weekly podcast, uh, Caroline Harries of the A Cup Full of Hope podcast, and of course, at the end of the season, we are going to have Francis Chan. Wow. Does Does he know? Uh, uh-uh, not at all. Hopefully, is he going to know soon? Hopefully. It is. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Tyler, do you have anywhere that our listeners should go follow you to get updates on the Indiana Pacers and you? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the book's website, because there's so many links to like uh, Twitter and email and blog and all that stuff. Um, so searching for seven.com, you can find all that stuff there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. If you just, uh, I'll, I'll just include that link in the show notes too. So. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, of course, we've got one more small segment. And that's just for our patrons. Sorry. You have to pay to be there. Uh, yeah. But also, please try it out. That would be great. Yeah, and just uh, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast to hear what's next. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>